Are you proud of the country of France? Do white people have it better off in Mexico? There is a war on in Ukraine. What are your thoughts? How does Ghanaian clothing affect your sense of fashion? What does it feel like to be on stage and to see everybody moving and clapping to your music? Almost it's the best feeling for me so far. Tracks from abroad. Tracks from abroad. Tracks from abroad. Tracks from abroad. Hello, folks at the NCRA. You are listening to a 10-minute reel of Tracks from Abroad segments broadcast during 2022. My name is Jesse McDougal, and every week on Tracks from Abroad, I interview a different U of T student with ties to a country outside of Canada. Our objective on the show is to amplify diverse voices on campus, but I've also been lucky enough to speak to faculty, community members, and musicians, either local or touring, to connect the U of T community with the broader world. Some recurring themes on Tracks from Abroad include culture, politics, and the student experience. So today we're going to start off with some of the best segments of 2022 involving culture. And this first one comes from a Pakistani student. His name is Latif Baloch. He's a political advocate, and he talks about how people make houses where he's from in Pakistan. Enjoy the show. I saw a very interesting video on your Instagram page. Yes, it's, it's my village. It's, it's your village. Yeah. Okay, now the video is of you building a house from scratch. Yeah. Is that a common practice? It was amazing for me to see this go up from hand by hand. Yeah, it, it's still there are people in Baluchistan that lived in hot houses or brush houses in Baluchistan. They made it from the scratch, from woods and some other brushes. And I know how to make a roof. I yeah. know how to make a small, like carpet with brushes because I grew up our people did it for living it's their living they don't have any job opportunity they don't have any education nothing how would you describe a typical day in Karkikad where you grew up oh in my village in your village. oh no it's like a little village but there is only one uh, well to get out uh, to bring water up so everyone tried to go early to uh, make it earlier then because then they came back to they have to make uh, food like for breakfast we use, usually eat like a, a bread from last night we made and uh, after that like you can see men going for work or so there was a, there were, that time there was a lots of livestock but now because of drought and climate change they are gone and uh, kids especially we were kids we sometimes go to collect uh, wood fire, firewood mm-hmm. and also bring other stuff we, we live in a, close to mountains so there's a small mountain so we went there uh, sit on it uh, in, during the evening and yeah. all shepherds come from mountains yeah during the evening we sit together or uh, elders everyone we, we learn lots of stories that nice. was the uh, nothing else we had While working on Tracks from Abroad, it's been amazing for me to see the variety of backgrounds that students come from, whether they're from Toronto or whether they're from Kharkikad in Pakistan, as you heard from Latif. We are now going to hear from another student named Brittany as she tells us about Carnival, how it's celebrated in the Caribbean. A little bit of history here. So Carnival, I wrote a paper, actually I have an article on this being published this year in the Caribbean Studies Journal on uh, Carnival. So Carnival originated from colonial times. Um, It was a celebration to the um, abolition of slavery. French colonists in Trinidad, because it originated in Trinidad, um, used to have carnivals where they would dress up masquerade balls and mock the slaves. When emancipation happened, the slaves or the enslaved people, I think we're going to call them that because it's more of a respectful term, the enslaved people started to dress up as in 
exaggerated versions of these colonists. Um, but they used to dress up as these colonists or, you know, as figures from their their traditional stories, like the Moko Jumbies, for example, which is um, stilt men on stilts, and okay. they're dressed up like African um, ghosts, technically. Um, Very colorful, very nice. And this goes against colonial beauty standards because for the longest time, um, African and Indian women were thought of as over-sexual and ugly compared to the white women. So they dressed up in colorful clothing, feathers. We call that pretty mass. So that's different from traditional mass, which is short for masquerade. To the average person, it's just an over-sexualized event where people go to see the girls dressed up in tiny little bikinis and dancing on people, but they don't know the history behind it. And the history is what makes it so special. And it's so sacred in that way. Mm. And celebrating the trauma that our people went through for so many years, like hundreds upon hundreds of years. And that's what makes it so special. And that's why I'm so protective of it. To Caribbean people, it's a celebration of history. Well, that was Brittany talking about Trinidad, and Tracks from Abroad has done episodes on every single continent except for Antarctica so far. And we are now going to turn to the political discussions that we've had on Tracks from Abroad. You are going to hear from touring musician Bashar Murad, who is a Palestinian activist. He talked on Tracks from Abroad last year. But going back to this neighborhood, Sheikh Jarrah, yeah. if I'm saying that correctly, what are your favorite memories growing up there? Sheikh Jarrah has a very special neighborhood because uh, it's a very it's a very central location uh, that connects many places in Jerusalem. Having a, a space like a music studio where I could it was kind of sort of my playground as I grew up. Um, I was very lucky to have that, and so I have very unique memories of just you know, experimenting with music and just playing and and discovering who I am. So it's a very special space to me. And uh, also it's a it's an area where, you know, there's a lot of cafes and cultural uh, hmm. spaces where a lot of youth meet. And um, so it's very important for lots of uh, Palestinians mm-hmm. and especially in the news um in uh, 2021 of May, you know, there was a global trend uh, on uh, hashtag uh, called hashtag Safe Sheikh Sharrah. Basically, uh, for those who, who aren't aware, there there are lots of eyes on Sheikh Sharrah. I mean, we grow up uh, being used to, uh, you know, living under occupation means you have armed soldiers 24-7 roaming the streets everywhere. Um, so you'll be walking in the streets and see even regulars civilians, and I do that with air quotes, because um, they'll be walking around, but with like giant rifles. Um, uh, and it's, you know, it's something that we're very used to seeing. We're used to passing through checkpoints every day, okay. uh, separation walls. Um, you know, a month ago, Gaza was under attack uh, an hour or like 45 minutes away from where I live. Yeah. So we're, of course, we're very used to it. And we don't get these notifications uh, okay. that prepare us for that. And I'm sure that's you not only see the visuals the visuals of arms and militarized people, but the sounds. Are there ever sounds that you hear that are yeah. disheartening? Yeah, I mean, living in Sheikh Jarrah, uh, so during the protests, uh, so I was talking about that. And so uh, when, I, when I would be sitting at home, I would hear protesters outside right. uh, protesting these ev- uh, expulsions. And then uh, it would start with the chants and the protests, and then it would escalate into like smoke... Uh, stun grenades or smoke bombs and then it would escalate to rubber bullets Uh, and so yeah it was like a normal thing uh, to be hearing from my bedroom 
That was Palestinian pop musician Bashad Murad, one of several international artists who tour through Canada and who are nice enough to come to, on to Tracks from Abroad to tell us about their country. And lastly, in these last two minutes, we are going to hear an interview with Olivia. She's talking about the student experience in particular as a lacrosse goalie on campus. And she tells us about uh, the indigenous sport of lacrosse and how it came to Canada. And I hope you enjoyed this special edit of Tracks from Abroad's NCRA 2022 recap. I could talk for so long about the history of lacrosse. It's so interesting. But you think of that preppy game. That's the colonized version of it. And I think that it's really awesome that people are starting to do land acknowledgements in the beginning of practices and games. And uh, the team, the women's team here is doing that as well. It's more so what you do after that and the steps that you take to learn and to educate your own self after that. And that's sort of what I encourage on my team. Mm-hmm. In the original game of lacrosse, speaking as a Haudenosaunee woman and from what I know, there weren't those strict boundaries that you see. The nets were different. Their fields could be anywhere from what you see today to miles and miles long. And those games could last for days. When I started lacrosse, I started at a young age. That's not something I knew. I just played it because I loved the sport and that physical activity. But as I got older and as I started learning more about why we play and the origins of this game and what it actually means to be on that field, the more I grew to love it. And I think that's the reason why I've played it for so long. Very nice. Well said, Olivia. We're happy to have you here today on Tracks from Abroad. We're talking about Indigenous communities in Canada, playing some Indigenous music, which you're going to hear right now. We're going to do a music break. We'll be back in just a minute. 